Hello and welcome to Family Renewal. I'm Israel Wayne, your host. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as we take a look at faith, family, and culture, all through the lenses of a biblical worldview. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Okay, this is Israel. Welcome to another show. Hello, friends. This is Brooke. We are going to talk to you today about a topic that we've never discussed on the podcast before, and it is the topic of Christian persecution. Now, obviously, that's not a happy-clappy kind of topic, and it's one that probably many people would rather not think about. I think sometimes we like to think that only good things will ever happen to Christians. In fact, if you watch a lot of Christian television, you will get the impression from most of the teachers on there that God's primary goal in his existence is to make sure that we are happy and wealthy and healthy. Unfortunately, um, that's not actually what the Bible teaches, and it's not what uh, the experience of most of the faithful Christians throughout 2,000 years of church history have experienced. Um, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul is talking to the church about the persecutions that he endured, uh, and he says uh, in verse 11 of 2 Timothy 3, he says, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me, he says, you remember this, uh, at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. And then he goes on to not just talk about himself, but to talk about us, and he says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, that certainly raises the question of, are we being persecuted today? I remember listening to a radio show a few years ago when I was driving um, back from a conference where I was speaking, and it was a call-in radio show for teenagers, and the host asked the question, have you ever been persecuted for your faith? And I remember some teenagers uh, who were church-going, youth-group-type kids called in and talked about how sometimes they were not invited to all the cool parties or kids at school would make fun of them because they were Christians, that kind of thing. And um, I thought, well, you know, in one sense, that's a, a bit of a form of persecution, but it certainly seems a bit mild when you look at the history of the Christian church and the persecutions uh, and even physical tortures and death and martyrdom that have been experienced uh, by faithful Christians throughout the centuries, um, it, are we really persecuted? Or do maybe we just have a persecution complex here in the West? Uh, Brooke, what are some of your earliest memories as far as this topic of persecution? What were some of the first exposures that you had to this idea? Well, um, growing up, you know, in America, we tend to think that everybody in our circle is a Christian, you know, as a young child, everybody I knew was from church or there were the neighbors that perhaps weren't. But I really um, think I had one of my first times of becoming aware of the persecution of Christians, especially worldwide, was a special opportunity to hear Richard Wormbrand in person. And to be honest, I really don't remember much. I I remember my mom explaining he didn't wear shoes, which was kind of seemed odd to me because his feet had been so 
um, wounded and damaged in his years of persecution that he couldn't even fit into shoes. So that's the item that stuck out to me. As I grew up and began reading, Koi Ten Boon became one of my heroes. And I, I read over and over the story she tells in the hiding place. The hiding place about how she was persecuted, how she was even made to suffer so much physically for her belief in Christ and for her the way that was expressed in helping the Jews. So that left a, a huge impact on my life. Yeah, there's a book of that as well as a movie yes. that was released by the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Um, I would personally say the movie's kind of a PG thirteen ish type mm-hmm. film. If you haven't watched it before, it's not one you want to sit down with your little ones and watch without screening it first. Uh, but we want to talk a little bit about this t- topic too. Of how early can you start introducing this topic, and uh, in what ways? You know, what are some ways that are helpful and constructive, and what are ways that might be just a little overbearing or um, too mature for young children. Mm-hmm. Um, we use a lot of materials that talk about the persecution of Christians in our homeschooling that we do with our children, and uh, we don't back away from it in our household. But you know, we do try to uh, be appropriately sensitive as well. I know for myself, uh, growing up, I was um, influenced at a fairly young age by some books that. Uh, our classics on this topic. Um, Fox's Book of Martyrs is probably the definitive work of all time on this. John Fox wrote a history of the martyrs of the church uh, from the time of the first century up through, uh, I guess, the beginning of the Reformation, somewhere in there, if I remember it correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, another book that is very epic that tends to be popular in Anabaptist circles is The Martyr's Mirror, and it records a lot of uh, persecutions that happened, particularly among Anabaptist groups um, after the Reformation as well. Um, I know for me, one of the books that opened my eyes to the plight of the underground church, particularly in the former Soviet countries, communist nations, was a book by Brother Andrew called... um, I was going to say Open Doors. That's his ministry. Open Doors Ministries uh, is a great ministry that talks about the persecuted church around the world, and uh, their website is opendoors.org. But his book is called called God Smuggler, and uh, that's a family favorite for us. We went through the audio book of that, and um, there are some books that I think make great read-alouds, and then there are other books that make really good audio books. Yes. Especially with that one, it was so well done. We uh, listened to the unabridged version, and our children were fairly young. I would say under nine years of age when we first listened to that. Yeah, that one is not exceedingly graphic. Right. Um, it's a very exciting, engaging uh, story, so I, well, I want to rate that more PG. Yes. Uh, but The character was so well developed, and you know, I believe it's autobiography as well. It's so well developed so that you actually like him very, very much before he hits that era where he faces persecution and difficulty. So I think that's helpful for young children to um, see the joy in his life and the vitality of his life and then realize as he suffers for that persecution, it's because he sees that as the highest priority to get the gospel to people. He was smuggling Bibles into communist nations um, beginning after 
World War II. I, I think he started in the 1950s, if I remember correctly, um, maybe the early 1960s, and was um, getting Bibles into uh, communist nations. Um, his focus changed more as we came into the 90s after the Berlin Wall fell and communism sort of changed its shape, put it that way. I don't want to say it disappeared, but it changed its shape in, in at least in Eastern Europe. Um, and he put a lot of emphasis in reaching Muslims. And uh, his daughter lived in Iraq for a long time. We got to hear Brother Andrew speak in Grand Rapids at a church, oh goodness, a decade or more ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just uber impressed with him. I mean, he's always kind of been a hero of mine. He's just such an amazing guy. And so many statements that he's made over the years have really stuck out to me. And one of the things he said was that we're not afraid to go into uh, countries where people say the door is closed to the gospel. He said, no door is closed to the gospel. He said, you just don't have a guarantee that you get to come back. Get through back through that door. Yeah, you just may not get to come back through that door. Um, but he's had a phenomenal ministry and just um, seemingly fearless. I, I love Brother Andrew and his his just joy yes. as well in um, serving the body of Christ around the world. Um, but what are some other resources uh, that we've used with our children? I know one of the uh, video series that they've enjoyed is a video series called Torchlighters. Yes. And uh, I don't remember exactly who produced that. I think Vision Video had something to do with it. And I believe we got some copies through Voice of the Martyrs. I'm pretty sure that they were promoting some of those. And they and have... Those have been excellent. Yeah, they have... Um, some biographies, uh, they're animated videos, and they're PG. I mean, you know, they're animated, so they're for children, but they do cover pretty sobering mm-hmm. uh, content. So, they're definitely older children, you know, eight at least, maybe older. I, I really have valued those though, because again, they tell the story so well, and um, they're showing that these are real people. I think sometimes. Children think anybody who could endure persecution is just like somehow immune to pain or something. And to realize these are real people who loved life and yet were willing to suffer for the gospel makes a huge impact. One thing I like about those videos is that they also have a um, second portion that often has interviews. So, you know, interviews or other details, shows old photos. So there's... um, a little more information for those who are more interested. Yeah, like a documentary yeah, for documentary the whole style. family that the adults would enjoy watching as well. Um, some of the people who are featured in that uh, were, I believe, Nate Saint. Yes. Um, and they have interviews with his son, Steve Saint. Mm-hmm. Uh, great book if you want to do a family read aloud is uh, The End of the Spear Yes, by Steve Saint. We appreciate his work at uh, iTech. Uh, I-T-E-C. Um, he has written about killing of his father and four other missionaries, including Jim Elliott. I believe the video was actually about Jim Elliott, but it featured Nate Saint very much. Yeah. Or Steve Saint especially. Yeah, if you want to visit his website, it's itecusa.org. Um, and we would encourage you to get Elizabeth Elliott's book uh, that she wrote called Through the Gates of Splendor, which is another uh, super story. Uh, but really appreciate Steve Saint's work. And um, he also, I'm sorry, Torchlighter's videos also featured uh, Richard Wormbrand uh, and his wife Sabina. Um, they were the founders of Voice of the Martyrs, 
Ministry, which is another uh, leading organization that has to do with uh, persecution of the church around the world. You can find them at persecution.com. They've both passed on now. Uh, But they have a global report on persecution uh, for 2016 that you can get as a free download if you go to their website and look for this 2016 global report on where Christians are persecuted today. That is a wonderful resource for your children, particularly if you're homeschooling. I would incorporate this into um, geography because there are about 68 nations that are discussed, uh, and it uh, is a wonderful resource uh, for your family. Um, Another ministry uh, resource that's very helpful is Operation World, and uh, you can get that uh, information. There's a book written by Patrick Johnstone, uh, and it's um, called Operation World, but the website is operationworld.org. And again, in just teaching about the persecution of the church around the world, um, that book is a wonderful way to pray through all the different nations of the world um, to learn about the unreached people groups there who need to be evangelized, but also um, to learn more about nations that are very restrictive uh, to the gospel as well. So lots of great resources, and we're going to throw out a lot of books and a lot of names uh, because we want you to be able to plug into uh, these resources. But but going back to Voice of the Martyrs and Richard and Sabina Wormbrand, um, there's a book, VOM, Voice of the Martyrs, used to give away this book for free. Don't know if they still do. You probably can still get an offer. I know ChristianBook.com sometimes will put inserts in orders. When I buy books from uh, ChristianBook.com, I get a flyer that says you can get a free copy of Richard Wormbrand's book, uh, Tortured for Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, that's definitely not fun reading. Right. Uh, but one that uh, I think you would benefit from. I um, believe I wrote a review of that on my Christian Worldview site. If you go to ChristianWorldview.com, Dot net uh, forward slash blog, and you search for um, Tortured for Christ. I think there's a review that comes up of that book. But um, we just finished Sabina Wormbrand's book called The Pastor's Wife, uh, which talks about um, her arrest. She was actually arrested. and um, It's been six years in prison, and poor lady, this was while her husband was in prison, and she was severely uh, tortured. Uh, punished, got to the point of desiring to eat snakes that she could catch out in the fields as they did hard labor or even uh, mice. You know, things like this that we can't imagine. I have to say this study we've been doing for the last several years, but in particular the last year we've really felt burdened to share with our children about Christian persecution, has helped me kind of expand my thinking because my children sometimes think that mom's worried about the price of butter and whether the toilets got cleaned properly. And I take uh, take issues so they make understand it as like, oh, I'm so serious about all these minor issues when there's a great big world out there with uh, world forces and powers that are fighting an evil that is seeking to overcome the church and yet understanding this gospel that we preach to our children, that we preach to ourselves, is worth dying for, has made a um, huge impact in my own life. And then trying to s- express it to our children has been really a challenge at times, but very important. I remember being at the 
HSLDA National Homeschool Leadership Conference in Chicago, Illinois, maybe six years ago, something like that. And one of the speakers there was Dr. Erwin Lutzer, who is the, well, he's retired just recently, but he was the pastor at the historic Moody Church in Chicago. And one of the things that he said to us as homeschooling leaders is he said, you need to help to teach your children uh, about Christian persecution. Incorporate that into your curriculum. Uh, I thought, wow, that's quite a statement yeah. uh, from somebody like Dr. Lutzer. And, and he said one of the reasons is because um, they will face persecution in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something sobering. We don't want to think about mm-hmm. that. We don't want to think that anything bad may happen to our children. And yet in the Beatitudes, Jesus said, blessed are you when people persecute you. When people malign you, when they say all sorts of evil things against you falsely, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That's in Matthew chapter 5. So we have these uh, places in Scripture where Jesus talks about how if they hated me, um, they're going to hate you as well. A student is not above his teacher, but when he is grown, he will become like his teacher. So this process of discipleship, of, of the, the Christ life, if you will, is about learning how to become uh, like Jesus and, and how to join him in the fellowship of his sufferings. Um, I think we need to be careful not to develop a persecution complex where we see ourselves in this kind of martyrdom that everybody's against us, everybody's out to get us, that kind of thing. That's not healthy or helpful. Or even that we, we desire suffering in some sort of uh, twisted way. You know, I think that, you know, without, within certain monastic groups over time, um, there were people who felt the need to beat themselves up uh, <laughs> right. rather obsessively. I mean, you read the biography of Martin Luther, for example, um, when he was a monk, you know, he would uh, sleep on cold cement, hard floors, because he thought it would bring him closer to Christ. Um, that's not a biblical concept. Uh, the concept of, you know, harming yourself or, you know, seeking for uh, some kind of persecution uh, is not a biblical concept. But you don't have to go out looking for it. It'll find you right? Uh, if you're faithfully walking out the gospel. And so for us, we need to just know the history of the church. And there have been martyrs all throughout history, but Every reliable study that's been done on this says that there were more Christian martyrs in the 20th century than there were in the previous 19 centuries combined. That is so surprising because I do tend to think of it as, um, you know, way back when in the Colosseum and you know, maybe somewhat through the Middle Ages. But this is in our era in a not too distant past and going on yet today. This is the fact that... Um, Many times we're just too willing to turn our eyes or close our eyes to it. One more thing I wanted to share about the impact Sabrina Wormbrand's story had on me was some issues I kind of wonder about. Like, well, if I were placed in this position, how vocal would I be? Or, you know, given her circumstances with communism seeking to shut down all the churches and silence the Christians, she was hauled off to prison when her son was only eight she was gone for six years. And, of course, during that time, her prayer is that her son would remain a true Christian. And 
later on, she's able to get out and hear, and she, she finds out he is a Christian, but he did really struggle, you know, left out basically on the street, wondering, what do I do now, and, and how do I take care of myself, and he's been indoctrinated with the school's system from communism about how how he um, should shun his parents and how he needs to adopt the party line. And these are tough things that, you know, we, we hope and we, we look to the Lord that hopefully he will spare us so that we can help our children. But she was placed in a position where she had no ability to influence him, no ability to contact him, except for one time during those six years he could come and see her. And she basically only had time to say, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And here she is, this bedraggled woman. Her clothes are torn. She's dirty. She's pale and thin. And it was in those that, that statement that her son could see, if my mom values Christ so much, and even in all the midst of this, she's clinging all the harder to Christ, then this is something to worth worth my also having. And that's the real solid point of his salvation. I think sometimes we think of courage and heroism as belonging to men, and we don't think about women as being heroes of the faith. But I always think of Sabina Wormbrand as a hero when I think of just courage related to Christianity. Uh, after the war, World War II, um, the different Eastern Bloc nations were divided up as to who would control them. And unfortunately, the Soviet Union got control of a good many of them, including Romania. And uh, for as evil and horrendous a person as Hitler was, um, numerically, uh, Stalin was possibly responsible for five times as many deaths as Hitler was. Amazing. Um, Stalin was an absolute evil... I can't even think of enough adjectives to describe just how wicked Stalin was. But when the communists took over Romania, um, they called all the pastors to come to a banquet, and it was a live national radio broadcast. And one by one, they made these pastors come up to the microphone and declare their allegiance to Stalin and to the Communist Party and to sing the praises, if you will, of Joseph Stalin. And Sabina turned to her husband and said, someone needs to stand up and wipe away this disgrace from the name of Christ. And Richard said, well, if I do that, you won't have a husband anymore. And she said, I do not wish to have a husband who is a coward. Hmm. So, so strong. And he did. He stood up and uh, pledged his allegiance to Christ and not to Stalin and ended up serving, I believe it was an 11-year prison sentence. Um, well, back that up. In Russia, you didn't really get a definitive prison sentence. You didn't usually even get a fair trial. You got hauled off, oftentimes in the middle of the night, uh, taken off to uh, prison where you could be two years before you waited for your trial. You have a kangaroo court where they bring you in and three minutes later sentence you. Uh, and sometimes you, you didn't even know how long you were going to be in prison. Um, you could just be sentenced indefinitely. Anyway, he ended up serving about 11 years. 
a very costly decision, and yet his wife was so strong. And uh, one of the other stories that I love is of John Bunyan's wife. He was the guy who wrote Pilgrim's Progress and was imprisoned for 10 years in Bedford Prison for preaching without a license. And the authorities came to his wife and said, don't you love your husband? Wouldn't you like for your husband to get out and be able to live with you and your children? And why is it that you won't encourage him to renounce his preaching? All he has to do is get a license. It's not that he can't preach. He can preach. He just needs a state license. Just tell him to get the license and we can let him out and you can have your husband back. And uh, they gave her a piece of paper and said, if you can get your husband to sign this paper, then uh, we will release him, just saying that he will not preach anymore without a license. And her response was, I would rather see my husband's head on a platter Hmm. than his signature on that paper. That's amazing. There are women throughout church history who have been so bold. Elizabeth Elliot is in that category. Her husband was martyred by the what was called at that time the Alca Indians uh, in Ecuador near Quito, and uh, now called the Waldani. And uh, they killed her husband, and she went back and lived with the very people who had killed her husband. Mm-hmm. With her and, baby in tow. And led them to Christ, mm-hmm. uh, along with Rachel, who was... Um, the sister, sister of Nate Saint, who was the pilot who was killed. If you again, if you haven't read through the Gates of Splendor, through the Gates of Splendor, you have to read that one. Uh, and then the the follow up for that, you know, End of the Spear by uh, Nate Saint, fabulous books. Um, the Torchlighter series also features Amy Carmichael, mm-hmm. who I know is one of your heroes and influences. Yes, uh, yes, definitely. Um, just share a little bit about uh, her real quickly. Uh, oh, she was amazing. Um, she was a uh, a missionary looking to the Lord for where to be a missionary throughout the world ended up in India through her work trying to preach the gospel. She started receiving these abandoned baby girls, particularly girls, but later on it was boys as well. And also began rescuing little girls that were taken to be prostitutes at the idol shrine worship place, uh, temples. I mean, she just did a whole bunch of stealth to get these girls out and then to raise them as Christians, just an amazing work that she did. Yeah, she was kind of the pioneer of uh, being involved in stopping sex trafficking. Yes, way back before it had a name. Yeah, and um, what a hero she was. There's another video uh, on Eric Liddell, who many people may know from the movie Chariots of Fire, but it was a real-life story. He was an Olympic runner, and um, he ended up going to China as a missionary and died in a Chinese concentration camp Mm -hmm. essentially um and uh, very few people know the end of that story but very faithful uh, man of god Um, there's uh, you know other resources uh as well and uh, we would encourage you to um, sign up for voice of the martyrs uh, magazine they have a, a magazine that they send out that will keep you updated as far as what's going on in other parts of the world and um what are some other resources that well, come to your mind, Brooke? One other one that I um, read, we all read as a family, was In the Presence of My Enemies by Gracia Burnham. Mm-hmm. And that got, kind of denoted a much more recent, I mean, this is barely 10 years ago or more, maybe 15 years ago. Um, they were New Tribes missionaries, I think. Yes, I believe so. In Indonesia? Mm. Uh, the Philippines. Yes, yeah, the Philippines. Right, Philippines. They were in the Philippines. 
and I can't even remember all the details now, but the storyline was that they were captured and by held an Islamic as terrorist group for a year or two years. I can't even remember now, but the story goes through the details. And so again, we read that aloud as a family to our children. You know, sometimes it's helpful when you're reading aloud that you can gloss over a couple details that may be too too in depth or gruesome for young children, but you're still giving your children that storyline and helping them develop, well, how much do I care about Christ? You know, those questions come up naturally in their minds as they're hearing these stories. Yeah, we just read a book that is out of print now, but a fascinating story called The Persecutor by Sergei Kordikov. Um, You can still get copies of it on Amazon. Um, We did read that as a family, uh, but (laughs) it's probably not typical family fare, so it might be one for you as parents to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a really amazing As I recall, story. there was some language in that that we were able to skip over since we were reading it aloud, and things like that can definitely be useful for the read-aloud aspect, but also just the, the conversations that follow. Yeah, so lots of great resources out there, but we believe it's important for you to begin to teach your children the stories of those who have stood up under persecution because it helps them to see that life is not all about it's not all about iPods and it's mm-hmm. not all about video game playstations and it's not all about movies and entertainment and just amusing themselves to death that there's a world out there that needs to be one for Christ and as soon as you step out and you start doing bold things for Christ um, the enemy doesn't like that. We believe there's an actual enemy of our souls. The Bible talks about him, the, the devil, and he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking those that he may devour. And and he's angry and he's desperate because he knows his time is short. And uh, he hates the saints. We read that in Revelation where it says he declares war mm-hmm. on the saints. Uh, and then it says, well, what should the saints do? And it says, this calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints. And I think knowing that there's this great cloud of witnesses that's gone before us um, that has fought the fight and they've run the race and they've kept the faith, that gives us courage. And we need to share those stories with our children, again, in appropriate ways. But we need to know the stories and share the stories and uh, and also to pray for our brothers and sisters who are in chains around the world. That's a commandment we have. Mm-hmm. from God, that we are to remember those in chains as if we were bound with them. And so being able to help uh, even financially through Open Doors and Voice of the Martyrs uh, or other worthy organizations who help the persecuted church around the world, uh, we have an obligation as God's people uh, to do that. So um, we just are grateful for the opportunity that we have to share with you on this topic and uh, do you have any final thoughts well i did want to just um bring up that as we've been kind of personally going through interesting study about the persecuted church and what's going on we become aware um in world events how russia has decided to close its doors a little bit and not allow so much yeah, religious freedom. Religious freedom. I wrote an article about that for uh, Indi- uh, the Illinois Family Institute. Uh, so if you go to Illinois Family Institute's website, um, there is an article there uh, that I wrote on, is uh, persecution coming to America? 
and I uh, talk about this anti-terrorism law that was just signed into effect in Russia by Vladimir Putin, and it would restrict uh, proselytizing of Christianity. It would prohibit discussing Christianity outside of church buildings. Um, so if there's a state-authorized church that is uh, in place in Russia, um, they're allowed to talk about the Bible and all that in their church services. But if you were talking about it out on the street or perceivably even teaching your children privately at home, um, that anti-terrorism law could possibly be used against uh, missionaries coming into the country or uh, Christians who are there. Um, very disturbing, troubling mm-hmm. um, legislation that was just passed uh, here in 2016. And so um, one opportunity that has come up, which I'm really thankful for, is um, I was just received an invitation to speak at a Christian homeschooling conference in St. Petersburg, Russia, and this is in February of 2016. 17, 2017. Correct, yes. <laughs> 2017, uh, February of 2017, that I will have the opportunity to go and speak to this group of uh, Christian homeschoolers at a conference there. Really excited about it, looking forward to learning from them probably more yes. than I'll teach them, honestly. Um, but they, they don't know a lot about homeschooling there, so I'm excited to get to go share from them and I have had a chance to speak at uh, some Russian churches in um, Sacramento, California. I've spoken at several of the Russian churches. There's a large um, Russian Christian settlement there. And uh, one of the things that I shared with them when I spoke is that um, they're in a desperate desire, many of the younger Russians especially, to become as American as they can possibly be mm-hmm. and to learn everything American and emulate it. And I I told him, I said, one thing we need is we need you because you have a heritage of Christian persecution and you know what it's like to live under persecution. We don't. Mm -hmm. We've lived in this amazing experiment called this American representative (laughs) constitutional Republic. And we haven't experienced that. And so we need um, to learn from you what it means to live as a persecuted people group. So anyway, pray for me uh, as I yes, go please. to St. Petersburg, Russia in February of 2017 that God will use me and that I will be effective there. Um, this is not quite as much of a persecution issue, but I will also, in November of 2016, I will be traveling to uh, Japan. Uh, again, I've been there before. I was there in uh, 2009, right before the... Um, tsunami that took out Sendai and some other major cities. Um, I'll be going back to Japan, and they are facing one of the greatest um, legislative threats against home education. Uh, it, It would perhaps, if this law that's pending in their parliament passes, it would make Japan one of the most restrictive nations in the world regarding home education. So I'm going there at a pivotal time as well. Um, so please keep me in prayer as I go and have a chance to minister to God's people around the world. And we're grateful for your help and support uh, with family renewal. Um, we don't make a habit of asking for money. We're, we're not even a nonprofit. That's that's kind of not our gig. You know, we we're, we're specifically not a nonprofit because we don't want to beg you for money. Uh, that's not what we do. But what we do want to ask you for is we want to ask you for your prayers. 
um, because this is a ministry, and um, we fund it through uh, book sales, and we fund it through, you know, I speak at conferences and get honorariums and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, we don't have to constantly be turning to you and saying, please fund our ministry. I, I just don't, I don't know. I have a personal... I don't have a problem with other people doing that. If that's what God calls them to do, personally, I don't want to do that. Uh, and maybe I just have a, an aversion to having big hair too, you know, which I think <laughs> kind of goes with that whole televangelist thing. Um, so, at any rate, um, so, so we don't do that. But what we do encourage you to do is we encourage you to sign up on our uh, email list so that we can keep in touch with you and let you know what we're doing. Uh, if you want to do that, you can go to our website. It's familyrenewal.org forward slash subscribe, familyrenewal.org, forward slash subscribe. That'll sign you up on our email list. Typically, we send about one email a month, and that allows us to keep in touch with you and kind of let you know uh, what we're doing. And then if we're ever in your area with a seminar, we do family seminars, marriage retreats, those kinds of things, um, we will send you an email and let you know. I'm also uh, continuing to speak at conferences, as is Brooke. Um, we will be seeing you out at different places uh, on the circuit. Again, if you're on our email list, we will alert you to all those things. Uh, our Facebook page as well, we would encourage you to connect with us on fam- uh, facebook.com forward slash family renewal. Uh, it's a really great place for you to stay in touch with what we're doing. Um, I On the issue of persecution, I have a chapter on this topic in my book, called Questions Jesus Asks, and it is the one question of all the 20 questions that I included in the book. It's the one question that Jesus asked someone after his resurrection. Oh, interesting. And he asked Saul of Tarsus, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Hmm. And I think it's interesting because he doesn't say, why do you persecute my church? Mm -hmm. Why do you persecute my people? He says, why do you persecute me? And that is how closely the Lord Jesus Christ identifies with his people who are persecuted. He says that in as much as you do something to the very least of one of these, my brethren, you do it unto me. So what an amazing comfort that is to us that Christ is right with us in the midst of our persecution. He has promised he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us, even to the end of the age. Well, we've sure enjoyed you being with us, and thank you so much for listening. God bless. God bless you.